This is JFM Podcast. Good morning to you. Welcome to your favorite morning radio current affairs program, Let's Talk, right here on J101.9 FM. And uh, it is a brand new day, and as usual, uh, it's another interesting, innovative, and informative, and educative morning on the program, Let's Talk. And the media's business is to provoke debates and mold opinion. And so uh, this morning, this brand new week, uh, that is just our business for the day. And uh, okay, we have our guests uh, all tuned in right now. Thank you for joining us. Hello. All right. Um, let's head to our business uh, for the day here. The the Nigerian government has launched a rapid response a register, an emergency intervention database, as part of efforts to cushion the socioeconomic impact of COVID nineteen pandemic on the urban poor in thirty six states of the federation and the federal capital territory. And also, uh, the VP Emiusibajo uh, says the federal government is giving low income earners. 5,000 Naira monthly a stipend for six months under the Rapid Response Register. It said uh, this set of vulnerable people were not captured by the register in the, pro- in the previous national social register. Uh, Register and so uh, we have with us this morning joining us via phone the senior special assistant uh, to the president Muhammadu Buhari on public affairs at jury in Gilali uh, joining us via phone. Hello, good morning. All right, before then, uh, let's play the sound bites here now from uh, Sadia Omar Farouk, the minister. Today is a critical milestone in both the implementation of humanitarian and social protection programs in Nigeria and the building of a shock-responsive social protection delivery system for the country. It is critical because it caters to the registration of the poor and vulnerable in the urban and rural areas across Nigeria. The National Social Registry, which is the repository for this databases, has largely captured the rural poor households due to the very important prioritization process of starting from the poorest communities. Right, that is the sound bite right there from the Minister of Humanitarian Affairs, Sadia Omar Farouk. And joining us via phone right here, uh, the C- Special Advisor to the President on Public Affairs, Adjurin Gulali. Thank you for joining us this morning on J101.9 FM. Good morning FM. to you, my dear sister. And of course, good morning to the great people of Plateau State. Good wow. to have you on the show and my co-host here with me. Morning, Kedjo Lonilua. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Privilege to be with you. Thank you. All right. Now, um, Ajuri, you were quite a critical mind while you were in the journalistic world. Uh, what is new? What is new? What is new in the value so far that you have brought or added to your new position as SA? And it's really a pleasure to talk to you. You were quite uh, one of my role models uh, while you were still uh, right in the media with us. And 
uh, for, it was also World Radio Day just uh, recently, this weekend. And we still know that radio is one of the best uh, ways to get to people at and the grassroots. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I very much agree that radio is extremely, uh, an extremely strategic and important uh, tool when you talk about uh, engaging a uh, broad base of the citizenry in a public dialogue. I think one of the great mistakes uh, of Nigerian governments over time, uh, both federal governments, state governments, local, etc., uh, is we've generally uh, been maintaining this uh, military era style of one-way communication where you release press statements and you just expect Nigerians to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And you're not really caring enough about how they feel about policy uh, formulation and implementation. That's a major problem. It continues to be a major problem in many respects. I think one of the major elements that I'm, I'm working very, very hard to bring to government is really, uh, for the first time, uh, very intentionally creating uh, a public dialogue in the country uh, with obviously amazing radio stations like this one, uh, Plateau's number one hit station. Uh, there's a great opportunity for people to hear directly from government and then speak directly to government in terms mm. of how uh, they, 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 they see uh, what is unfolding in the country, what they see uh, is unfolding in terms of policy formulation, implementation, etc. So really it's a great privilege to be with you. I would just say that uh, coming from the media world, as you mentioned, I, I took a lot of pride uh, in interrogating issues based on facts, really trying to avoid uh, emotion and sentiment in my analysis of issues. And what I try to do from my current uh, position is really looking at issues as much as humanly possible uh, through the lens of how it impacts on people as opposed to uh, the kind of blind defense of government policy that we tend to see from spokesmen. Mm. Okay, that's a good one right there. And uh, talking about interacting with government officials, I was just thinking as you were talking that um, we don't see our government officials use most of their social media handles uh, to at least interact to the people uh, who are available on those platforms as much as we would expect. And even sometimes when you go to the government websites, uh, they are still outdated and sometimes not working. Uh, absolutely. As a means I, I of creating more interaction. Yes, yes, I, I agree. I, I think I think one of the major uh, changes we've we've tried to bring is uh, we where there was a, a directive to the ministers uh, in the cabinet from uh, His Excellency Mr. President that they must now uh, become in many ways their own spokespersons. Mm. Uh, that even if they have their own media aides, they mm. have their own essays on media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they have people that go out on their behalf or on behalf of their ministries. Uh, that there's really no substitute. Uh, for the executive, the chief executive of those ministries going mm. out and explaining directly what informs the thinking behind uh, the various uh, forms of public policy across sectors. So I think the president has given the marching orders. We've now seen, uh, I think we have about right now, give or take 60 to 70 percent of the federal cabinet on Twitter, verified on Twitter, where information is being uh, unveiled on their accounts, etc. But I think one of the one of the major areas where our people can engage on social media is uh, the Twitter platform of at uh, Tolu Ogunlesi, who is the special assistant to Mr. President on uh, digital media. I am the senior special assistant to the president on public affairs. So mine is really targeted at television and radio and creating the engagement on those two platforms, even though 
I do have a Twitter account mm-hmm. uh, which I use every day, uh, where people can send their 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 questions and their observations to me mm-hmm. uh, for a response. And you interact directly with them. I do. I, I, I could probably do it a little bit more than I do right now. The mm-hmm. only challenge I have is that with the busy so radio busy. and TV schedule, and because my job is not primarily social media, mm-hmm. it becomes difficult to dedicate enough time uh, to it because, of course, you have so much interest and so many questions, etc. So I would acknowledge here that um, there's a challenge there in terms of getting to every question and all of that. But I do my best to try and keep people updated on the latest developments on the issues that they raise on those platforms. Oh, well, some people have said that it's only fair uh, that we create more platforms if we want to regulate the social media bills and all of that. Well, those people just need to be heard. Exactly. Okay, let's move on now. Um, let's mm. get to the, the launch of the Survival Fund in July 2020 by the VP uh, during the MSME's awards or so. I think uh, that was uh, one of the the uh, times that we started hearing about this. Uh, speak to us about what this uh, gesture means because a lot of Nigerians would like to hear and understand better. Yeah, sure. Th- thank you very much. Uh, so in starting last March, I believe it was, uh, of course, that's when COVID-19 really hit the world. I and mean, that was when uh, it became kind of a global understanding that this is not your ordinary uh, virus. Uh, we had uh, the president directed the establishment, obviously, of the COVID-19, uh, you know, task force uh, chaired by uh, the secretary to the government of the federation. But then he also uh, created the uh, economic sustainability committee uh, chaired by his excellency, the vice president, Professor Yemir Shibajo. Now, that committee uh, established a 2.3 trillion naira economic sustainability plan. Uh, which basically serves as an economic stimulus through COVID, and it's even currently still being implemented uh, into the 2021 budget cycle. Uh, so how, how, how it works is with this, uh, the, the plan basically deals with uh, multiple components where you have, uh, you have solar power, the solar component, where, you know, where we're working with the Rural Electrification Agency uh, to manufacture, distribute, and maintain 5 million solar home systems across all states uh, of the Federation uh, by employing 250,000 of our young people uh, to come on as engineers and other related uh, staff, uh, you know, areas of staff strength uh, to facilitate the implementation of that program. Then you have the agricultural component, which is uh, the, the, the mass agricultural program where uh, we're, we're working very hard to get 5 million uh, of our young people into the farms because we recognize that currently the the population of farmers in the country are predominantly middle to elderly aged uh, Nigerians. And so we need to create that cross-generational transition uh, to our young people, getting them more involved so that uh, we, uh, our agricultural sector has a, a bright future uh, and we can, of course, because that's where the population density is at the moment, uh, with our young people being 70% of the population, uh, we really need to get our young people engaged there. So that's a, an active part of, of that particular program. Uh, we have all state governments of the Federation providing us land. Uh, and in exchange, uh, what we're doing is we're bringing on these young people to execute a, a mass land clearing and cultivation exercise. So we're expanding the stock of cultivatable land uh, by clearing the land, preparing it for cultivation, and then uh, our young people are being trained and equipped to now, to now cultivate those lands, uh, particularly with, uh, with seedlings uh, that would yield uh, high, 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 high revenue uh, yielding uh, cash crops, things like 
cashew, things like cocoa, uh, etc., on the international export market. So there's really quite a lot uh, within the sustainability plan. But I'll just, uh, since I, you asked about the survival fund component, mm-hmm. uh, I would just say that the survival fund is uh, is a, a component of the larger 2.3 trillion economic sustainability plan, which deals directly with getting capital into the hands of our micro and small business people in this country across all states of the federation. Now, the survival fund is 75 billion naira, and it is made up 100% of grants. So these are not loans. This is money that our people will receive, and they will not have to pay it back at all. Mm -hmm. So so the, the way we've structured it is the survival fund is uh, it's all on it's all all the benefits of the survival fund are on the website one website the only way to access any benefits of the survival fund is only through a website it's not mm. about knowing any big man or standing in any queue or anything like that so the website is www.survivalfund.gov.ng survivalfund.gov.ng so we started the first component in last October. It's called the Payroll Support Scheme, the Survival Fund Payroll Support Scheme. How it works is we ask MSMEs across all states of the Federation uh, to, uh, to enroll their businesses on the Payroll Support Scheme on the website. Now, what then happens is they would tell us, okay, I, I'm running maybe a fashion business, textiles, any business across any sector, could even be carpentry, whatever it is. And they'll say, okay, I have five employees. The five employees in my MSME are earning 40,000 naira in a month. So now you, you put that on your application form, you submit. Now what we request, because we have to ring fence this program from fraud and uh, corrupt practice, we will now say, okay, good, you have applied, you have sent your information. Now what you also have to do is you now need to send in the verification documentation that will prove that indeed what you have put on your application is correct. Mm-hmm. So now you need to show us your bank statement that proves that indeed uh, uh, we can see the month-by-month month month inflows and outflows that reflect that, indeed, these five employees have been paid 40000 naira over the last several months and all of that. So once that is now verified with scanned documentation, you, you are now in a position uh, to be able to, uh, to benefit from uh, that particular component of the scheme. So now, on February 9th, mm. we unveiled two new components, uh, which are very strategic. Uh, the first one is called the MSME Grant Scheme. How it works is we're providing uh, 50,000 Naira uh, uh, grants, again, money they will not have to pay back, to the owners of MSMEs across all sectors. So whatever your MSME is involved in, once you can prove that you have an MSME that you're operating, etc., go to the website, apply for the MSME grant, and the, uh, and the application for that, the registration for that, expires tomorrow. So that's why I wanted to, with great urgency, please ask anybody listening to please go to the website today and enroll. Please don't procrastinate. And also let your friends and family members know that they can go to the website and apply uh, mm. for this program. So we're going to pay the owners 50000 naira uh, as against the payroll support uh, scheme where we pay directly to the employees under the MSMEs. We're now paying uh, the owners. And then the final one that we brought uh, on February 9th, uh, about six days ago, is called the Guaranteed Offtake Scheme. Mm. How it works is, in effect, we, uh, His Excellency, the Vice President, said, look, the federal government of Nigeria continues to uh, purchase all of these COVID-19 relief materials, things like hand sanitizer, things like face masks, food relief packages like rice, flour, bread, uh, pure water sachet, etc. He said, why are we importing these items from other countries, supporting uh, foreign jobs, foreign companies, and all of that. Every Naira and Kobo must uh, be applied to empower Nigerian businesses who can provide the same thing. Mm. So what we're doing is 100% 
of the COVID-19 relief materials that we're buying are now mm. Nigerian sourced. So with the guaranteed uptake scheme, if you have an MSME in Joss or anywhere in Plato or anywhere in the country, you go to it that, 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 that produces these kinds of materials, sanitizer, face masks, or even these food relief items I've mentioned, breads, water, sachets, etc. If you have a business uh, that produces those, you go to the website, survivalfund.gov.ng. You now register your MSME under the guaranteed uptake scheme. Once you have done that, the federal government of Nigeria is going to now treat your company as a contractor to the federal government of Nigeria. We are going to directly patronize your company by bulk purchasing these items, uh, whatever it is that you're producing, face masks, sanitizer, etc., food relief items. We're going to bulk purchase those items off of your company to financially empower your company, to sustain the existing jobs within your company, and then, of course, uh, provide you with the capital that will even put you in a position to expand your operations and uh, in, in, in employ more Nigerians. So these are the things that can be found on the website immediately. Well, it's a good thing that you mentioned the fact that it is open to all. You know, you have to go to the website. You don't need to know somebody. And um, it is Absolutely. the time is going to elapse tomorrow. But what has been done to carry people in the rural communities along? People that do not have opportunities, access to um, electricity, right. if you'd like, internet right. and all of that. Absolutely. This is a very important question. You know, you, you, when you look at the... The, 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 the scale of, uh, of, of, of informal economic activity in the country uh, and, and how much of that is domiciled in these rural communities that are disconnected from light, etc., right. that becomes a priority. And I think one of the major areas, you know, what the, one of the major interventions we've put in place uh, for that kind of a scenario mm-hmm. uh, is, of course, under the social investment programs where you have, uh, for example, trader money, where we have, we have given zero interest capital uh, to 4 million uh, petty traders across this country uh, in all of the states. Basically, these are the individuals who would not normally be on the Internet, would okay. not necessarily have bank accounts or registered companies or BVN numbers and all of that. Uh, so we try to reach them through that, and that continues, by the way. Then, of course, the conditional cash transfer is another major uh, rural-focused uh, initiative supported mm-hmm. by the World Bank where... Uh, we use the World Bank's community-based targeting system to basically interface uh, across political lines with traditional rulers, with market men and women, influence leaders in the various small, far-flung rural communities in the country, then they are able to help us identify those families that mm-hmm. have been what we call cross-generationally poor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to your village or any, any of these communities, you find that there tend to be these families that are the most impoverished mm. generation after generation after generation it passes down so, so what we've been are you, able to are you do employing is to do any targeting. sorry to cut you are you employing any kind of technology uh, to do this because i remember just watching on cgtn um yeah. <clears throat> china global some time ago how they were able to mop up uh, about uh, 300 million people i believe out of poverty and technology was deployed a lot in that as well so what yeah. kind of technology are you using what data have you gathered yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, f- first of all, you know, the Chinese example, when you refer to the 300 million, I, I believe it, it may even be a, a, a bit more than that, that they were mm. able to uplift out of poverty. They did that over 30 years. Uh, that was not a one-year or a five-year or even a 10-year exercise. Right. I mean, they did that uh, across the 1980s, 1990s, and the early 2000s. 
and then now after 2010, people now began to say, "Wow, China has arrived." You know, but it took, mm. that was a, a 30, 40 year process. It was a long term plan. You know, plan. for us now, we have literally just started. Uh, okay, well, we've had so many plans uh, through the years to you know get Nigerians, right, school Nigerians out of poverty. Why haven't we been able yeah. to consistently follow through? We're always starting something new, and, and how sustainable is this one now uh, on board? And how are we sure? I mean, if this, uh, if 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 uh, you know, we, when power changes, which we do not know what is going to happen 2023 how sustainable is right. this yeah no i know these are these are very important questions I, I think if you look at if you look at uh the fact that look we've always had good ideas in this country we know ourselves <laughs> nigerians are very brilliant people mm-hmm. we've never lacked uh knowledge of what to do what we have lacked is the character and commitment to doing the things that we know we need to do uh and and what president Muhammadu buhari and his excellency the vice president professor have brought to governance in the country at the highest level is the basic commitment that what they want to do they are going to do it and they're not they're not they're, these are two individuals who no businessman will be able to come in the middle so of the night do you think that nigeria still of, uh, do you Euro think that your administration still has i beg your pardon so sorry to cut you short um do yes, you still yes. think your administration has the time to lift the amount of people that you had promised earlier out of poverty at this time Okay, you're referring to the president's commitment to uplift yes. 100, yes, million, 100 million Nigerians out of poverty. Years. And here we are with just two more years to go. And politicking starts 2022. No, 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 please. It's very important to understand the commitment he made was in 2019 to uplift 20, 20, 20, uh, 100 million poverty over 10 years. It's a 10-year plan. So it's from 2019 to 2029. That is the 10-year plan so, to uplift 100 million people out of poverty. Is there a template to, for continuity after perhaps 2023, this administration is no longer, you know, in, in power, if you like? Well, this is, this, is, this is the thing, right? So when you have democracy, you have obviously a, a, a revolving door where people are going in and people are coming out. That's right. the way the system works. Mm-hmm. What you can do, the only thing that you can do as a government to ensure sustainability and continuity in terms of your own plans and uh, programs is to ensure that they are well implemented to the extent that the people who are choosing and deciding the leadership of the country mm-hmm. understand that way to this thing where they ground no and now it, it, it no day before mm-hmm. this thing, so so these people they actually brought something that is actually beneficial but we've seen so, so many of these programs interest. come and go but let's leave it there now the vpm yoshiba just says the federal no, government is giving i answered your question though, before you <laughs> interjected time 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 <laughs> okay all right but i need to be answering your question please go ahead mm, okay well the 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 vpm yoshiba just says that the federal government is giving low-income earners uh five thousand naira monthly a stipend uh for six months under the rapid response register and it That's said correct, that this yeah. set of vulnerable people were not captured by the register in the previous uh, national social register and uh, so um what can you tell us about this yes thank you very much all right so uh earlier on we were talking about the conditional cash transfer and the targeting system that the world bank uh, has brought where we use data capture technology uh, as we're going out to these communities to identify them, 
where they are, and essentially we give them 5,000 naira physical cash because these are individuals who are not even within two hours mm. of, of any banking location, banking hall, financial literacy is low, they don't have BVN numbers and all of that. So that is the reason why you're taking physical cash to them. Uh, and then you're logging it into a technological database uh, that is approved by the World Bank in association with the federal government of Nigeria. Now that's how that program works. When you asked earlier about technology, I didn't get to answer, so I want to make sure that that was understood. Mm. Then the, the, the second leg of that is uh, rightly that focused on ru- the rural poor. These are the individuals, as you rightly mentioned, who do not have registered companies, who mm-hmm. are not in position to benefit from, say, the survival fund and registering online and all of that. So that becomes very important. And the president just approved the expansion of the conditional cash transfer by 100%. Uh, we're adding one million new uh, households uh, to the to, to to that program uh, within the 2021 budget year already approved and signed into law by the president. The next thing is when we talk about the rapid response register, it deals with the urban poor. Now, this is the big difference. Mm. This is something we're very excited about. Again, designed by His Excellency the Vice President. How it works is that for the first time in the history of the of the country and in the history of Africa, we're going to have a technology-based social security system. So, so what we're doing is we've been able to triangulate three major data sets. One is the uh, SIM card registration information. You know, obviously, everybody who has registered uh, their phone, and we have uh, well over 100 million uh, uh, open phone lines in the country, uh, and I, I think at least 100 million phone users in the country. Some people have two lines or three lines. Uh, now, how this works is we triangulate uh, the, the SIM card data information, next of kin, birthplace, all these things that we have, their age and all of that. We triangulate that with the NIMC information. That is the registration information given to the NIMC for your national identification number, NIN number. And then we also have finally the third set, which is BVN data. Now, so it, for, for anybody who has opened a bank account or is operating a bank account, they have their BVN number. So now what okay, so you're saying that the urban poor have accounts and that's... Uh, that's, the- that's, uh, that's right, that's right. So with the urban poor, you'll find this is something that you can test yourself, even there in jobs. If, if, you, if you talk to the average hawker right on the street, a young man, a young man or woman who's hawking sunglasses, belts, etc., etc., even in the market, they may not be able to afford to own their own shop or their own stall, so they walk around the market selling these materials, hustling very hard for their daily bread and all of that. You'll find that if you encounter uh, any of these uh, very hardworking Nigerians, they will tell you, if you ask them, see, oh, I don't have cash, well, please, do you have accounts so I can do transfer? Right. They'll tell you yes, and they'll give you their number. Seven out of ten of them will tell you that. So the issue is not about having an account in the mm. urban core. That is not a problem because in the urban centers across this country, there are banking locations higher. In fact, there are just too many even. So, so what ends up happening is that people have accounts, but they do not have money in those accounts, and that's where the urban poverty is. So what we are doing is by triangulating these data sets, in effect, I, it's very important that people understand how this works, is we're able to say, look, okay, over the course of the last uh, six months, because of BVN and all of this information that we're, we've linked together, we can now say, look, this individual uh, has not had more than 5,000 naira in their account. That means this account has had less than 5,000 naira in it consistently over the course of uh, a year or a year plus. We can dimension that. We can see that from the top view. Any account in the country, we can see that. Who is consistently beneath this level? Now, based on that analysis, 
were able to take those accounts, where, you know, where people, their inflows and outflows, you see them uh, in a week, there are 100 naira is coming out, uh, 50 naira is coming in, 150 naira is coming in. But there are people in this country banking at that level of denomination because of how difficult the conditions are. So, so those, those accounts now, once we've dimensioned them as urban poor, individuals who consistently have less than 5,000 naira to their name, what now happens is we attach that account to what we call the rapid response register. What that now means is in view of tomorrow, okay, so let's just say there's a COVID-2021, uh, COVID-21, God forbid, or there's a climate-related uh, economic emergency, or there's an economic crisis like a, a Great Depression sometime in the future, God forbid. Mm-hmm. If these things happen, for the first time in history, not of Nigeria, of Africa, we're going to have a database where you're going to have tens of millions of accounts that have been verified as belonging to those that belong to the urban poor population of this country, where we will be able to immediately, we're talking of tens of millions of digital, direct digital payments into these accounts with the push of a single button. So immediately something happens. We're not going to be searching for account numbers, searching for beneficiaries and all of that. It will be set and ready to go. So, so that is how uh, this works. Right now we have about 21 million Nigerians captured on the rapid response register that we have already dimensioned. And the dimensioning process or the identification process is something that is ongoing. So by the time we get to 2023, we are hoping to have about 50 million uh, Nigerians on that register. And we're working very aggressively to also try and encourage people uh, to get their bank accounts established, even Mm -hmm. if it's only with 100 naira so that we can begin to put people in a position where they can benefit from social, uh, social emergency bailouts. Uh, whenever the time may necessitate such an intervention. All right, let's open the phone lines now. Let's ask uh, Nigerians uh, how they view uh, all of these laudable uh, projects so far. 090-556 in four places, 99 and 090-988-48848. Hello, good morning to you. Well, morning is very much, Hunga and Ren. I'm calling from Tanyos. Mm, thank well, you. Listen to the conversation from your guest. A wonderful conversation, uh, a great grammar and uh, great English language. Mm. The way he communicated different ideas, different technologies that he made use of. The truth is, uh, the ordinary man on the street, the explanation you've given here, good and fine. The ordinary man on the street wants to have a favorable environment to even run these businesses. You are giving people 5,000 naira or 20,000 naira, whatever, and the environment is not favorable based on the challenges we are facing. So the government needs to even deal with that issue. Another issue, again, is the educational sector, where they talk about the school feeding. Instead of you even talking about the school feeding, we've all saw the mess about it, you know, where there is an ongoing proof about it when it, during the COVID-19, uh, when somebody was having the feeding issue. Why can't you go around our schools, take care of our schools, address the facilities in those schools? I mean... We are even talking about the farmers' clash, which is another problem again. We have been keeping cattle and the rest. We can't even boast about exporting these cattle. So the government should even look at how to even deal with that very aspect. Instead of all this giving away money, giving people money. In those countries where we go to borrow this money, because part of all this money will be borrowing from all those countries, do they have free money there? We just talked about Emeka, are you saying that 5,000 naira is uh, not okay for you know the urban poor? Let me ask you a question. The transportation sector alone, what did you tra- what the, 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 the man in that village will need to even transport himself? I am sure that that 5,000 naira will not even make, you can't even make use of it. Does, does, does that person not have a family? 
does his children not go to, to the hospital? Look at the primary health care facility. How can that person access the hospital with that 5,000 naira? So that a lot has to be put into consideration. Even before government even think about, I don't even buy the idea of dashing those money. Look at them, for instance, Plato said, yeah, we have the tomato, the, the state is the best in terms of tomato production. Can we maintain the tomato? What is that? What are the facilities? Federal government is even uh, going to even set aside to say we want to make plastic that is known for the production of tomato to export tomato outside the shores of the country and have people working in tomato paste company that is owned by the federal government so that the whole world we hear that plato have a tomato that is being sent to United Kingdom and London instead of sharing all these with five five thousand dollars for people Thank that you we for end up using money to Thank you very much. We appreciate your input. Sure, go ahead go and ahead. respond. Thank you very much. I, I really just want to appreciate uh, that, my brother, who just called in, because uh, these are Nigerians who clearly understand the issues of the country, uh, and I appreciate his passion and participation uh, this morning. Let me let me start issue by issue that he raised. Uh, first of all, he raised the issue uh, last of the five thousand naira uh, being too low. Uh, l- l- let me let me be very clear about something because this is very important. Uh, anybody who lives in an urban center, you know, let's just say middle-income Nigerian, a civil servant somebody working as I worked for many years as a journalist, uh, earning 100,000 naira as I did for so many years, uh, you, what, what you would find is that, you know, when we talk about 5,000 naira, that is like fuel for your car, or that is uh, data for your phone, or so airtime recharge credit and all of that. 5,000 naira in the life of a middle-class Nigerian is not 5,000 naira in the life of a deeply impoverished Nigerian. You have to understand that we are dealing with Nigerians, very hard-working Nigerians, who we have gone out to these markets in rural communities across this country. You will see a woman, a woman with four children, sweating in the sun in a market from morning to night. She's sweating until, until you get to the evening hours with a plate of pomo of 200 naira, or the entire inventory of Pomo on her plate is 200 naira. By the time she stands in the sun all day to sell that Pomo, she has earned something like 100 naira profit after selling that 200 naira Pomo all day and night. You give 5,000 naira to such a person, you have totally transformed the level of business that that individual is operating. Instead of looking at a 100 naira profit per day. All right, let's open the phone lines. Let's still continue to to test the polls and hear from uh, the people. Hello and good morning. Yeah, good morning, my presenter. Thank you. I'm Saloki from Bukulukos. Go ahead, go ahead, Saloki. There's no time. Thank you. The issue about uh, empowerment, which we believe the topic talking about now, I'm disappointed under the present government. 5,000 naira without giving training to people. To me, just they are preaching poverty to people. What I expected to do as an economist, you first of all give people training. When you give them training, you not give them money to establish their business. That was what the former government under Gulag did. Under uh, win. This is completely out of uh, out of system. You went as a government. We call this one, this what this government is doing, we call it a, they are creating poverty on people. Instead of teaching me, instead of giving me fish, teach me how to fish. That's like a good economy. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Lockie. Let's take another phone call Before here. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning, Zoe. Good morning. My good. name is Chukudi from Aleri. Thank you for calling, Mr. Chukudi. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, please, I have a question for your guest for your, yes, for guest on, the, on the telephone there. Uh, and that is, uh, please, it's going to be a, a very, very short question. So I, I know. Go ahead. Um, to the uh, auditor general of the federation, please, uh, is this particular conditional cash transfer 
and other packages uh, from the federal government about elevating the so-called poverty in this country. I want to know, is it actually accountability to it, or is it just the situation we found ourselves here? We go to one person a month from foreign, com- uh, from, from foreign countries and come and, and, and come out to Nigeria here. And share it head to head to various different bank accounts. After sharing this money, is Nigeria actually expecting accountability? How, money, how much money has been spent? How much money was borrowed? How much money has been mapped for this particular issue? And how has this money been shared? Is this sharing of uh, this sharing formula also is it only in the north or is, is it also spread in the south in the southern countries, especially in the southern the south is, uh, uh, Nigeria? Because and we don't have even prices market. for for commodities yeah. in the markets even. So, may, may, I go, may I go ahead, please? Um, please, let's take one more phone call. Ajuri, do hold okay. on, and so then you can, you, can get to, okay, yes, you can get to all of the uh, questions. Hello and good morning. Oh, dear. Hello, good morning. All right, uh, let's let you get to the answers now. Okay, that, that would be great. If, if I can just please have a few minutes. Uh, I know we have about 20 more minutes to mm. take more calls, but I think it's important to answer their questions properly. Okay. The, 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 the issue is he raised, uh, my... Uh, my brother, about the 5,000 naira. I've already explained how it, what what deep poverty looks like. Not the one where somebody's earning 100, 150,000 naira in a month and they will be saying that they're living in poverty. No, we're talking about the real poverty, you know, where, where it's really biting people. This 5,000 naira changes that. I, I need to say this very quickly, that the uh, my brother, I think his name was Lucky, he called and made mention of this notion that uh, that we're just dashing people money. We're not teaching people how to fish and all of that. Mm-hmm. First of all, the UN program he mentioned under President Goodluck Jonathan turned out to be a fraudulent scheme where people were giving they are giving these uh, slots to the children of senators, ministers, and governors. That is a well-known thing. So I don't think that that is the, the proper example to cite if you want to talk about proper administration of a social investment program. With that said, the 5,000 naira conditional cash transfer scheme that we have been talking about. People should ask this question. This is very, very important. Why is it called conditional cash transfer? Why is it not called cash transfer? The answer is that it is conditioned on the on the on, on it is based on a condition that if you're receiving the money, you must be trained in entrepreneurial uh, process. So that means that you're learning how to operate a business, how to save, how to spend, how to uh, you know uh, deal with salary issues, whatever the case may be around entrepreneurship. That is what uh, people are trained on as a condition of accepting that money. A second condition, by the way, particularly uh, in the northern part of the country, is that. If you accept this money, you must, it must be verifiable that all of your children, all of your wards are sent to school. So if you accept this 5,000 naira from the federal government, we have made it a condition that you cannot accept this money unless all of your children, none of them can be conducting business during school hours. They must be in school. These are things that many people don't know. So they will come on TV and radio and misinform others when they don't have the... Which is why you are here. That's why you're here now. Let's take... Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, the second thing was uh, just, uh, I'll tidy up very quickly. Mm. He, uh, my, the first caller raised the issue of homegrown school feeding uh, corruption. Yes. I want to be very clear about something. We are currently feeding 9.5 million school children across 35 states of the Federation. It's I think still it's going on. Also, that is outstanding because the Bielsa State Governor was attempting to insist that instead of primary schools, he wanted secondary schools to benefit instead of primary schools. But we said there will be no exceptions that primary school students are the beneficiaries of this particular program. So now, you have that. This year, we're escalating that to 14 million uh, school children. Uh, so we're enhancing that by 5 million. The president has approved it in the, in the extension. The expansion is already factored into the 2021 budget. Now, he's on the issue of corruption. Mm. It's very important to understand 
that the, uh, the allegation that was out there was not based on the homegrown school feeding program run by the federal government of Nigeria under the Ministry of Humanitarian Affairs. What was alleged was that a permanent secretary in the ministry, in the Federal Ministry of Education, had a, a, a separate program, what he called school feeding program, apparently, in, in, in the unity schools, the, the few unity schools in the country that are under the Federal Ministry of Education, that they were trying to mimic that program, and they, uh, some, some officials used that program as a means to try and divert and steal some money, mm. I think 500 million or something like that. Those individuals are what? Under EFCC prosecution. The, the individual who even announced that to Nigerians was the chairman of ICPC. It was not a whistleblower. So it, it was even government that opened that up to Nigerians to say, look at what these people in the Ministry of Education are doing. It was government that announced that. All so, right. Look, Let's take some we, more phone calls, Ajuri. Let's hear some more uh, from the okay, people. Go Hello and good yes, morning. Please. Hello. Hello. Good morning to you. Welcome. Okay. I'm calling around. All right. My name is David. All right. Go ahead, Mr. David. Okay. I just see um, the fact is that 5,000 naira, like he rightly pointed out, um, for the poor of the poorest, he said something that it's not even earning 150,000 that call themselves. Just Nigerians don't own that much. You know how much is 30,000 naira? If I want to remind him, and you are saying you give somebody 5,000 naira, the condition that his children are not doing anything, are not going to school. Mm. Excuse me. What do 5,000 naira do for such a person? I say, how much is school fees? Even in government-owned schools. Please, sir. I, don't say, I think what we should have done is like, get this money, set up industries around the country, and get people where they can make full uh, living out of the money. Set up industry and get people. Not give them money and don't spend that money. You cannot account for that money in any way. I mean, let's just be realistic. 5,000 naira can absolutely do nothing. Thank you very much for your interviews. Uh, we appreciate. No. Hello and good morning. Uh, good morning, Zoe. Good morning. Uh, this is uh, sir from Institution. Go, Go ahead, ahead, please. My sister, I've heard what your guests have said. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank God the world are listening. All Nigerians are listening. And uh, this message we are giving you today, we read to the president. You understand? The truth of the matter is that 5,000 naira with the situation of the country cannot do anything to anybody. That's the truth of the matter. He, he the guest, know what I'm saying. Can 5,000 naira feed somebody, a student, or like somebody that has five children? Can he say they still feed? What Nigerian after now is what we make, make the, 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 the citizen get better in security, infrastructures and many things that is bothering the, the, the people of the country. They know it, but they are just hiding for the truth, but we consulted them the truth. 5,000 naira is nothing to anybody in this country now. God bless you, my sister. Thank, Thank you, you for so your much. time. Hello and good morning. One more call. Hello. Hello, good morning. Welcome and thank you for joining us. My name is Amon Ibrahim. From Go ahead. Go ahead, please, real quick. Um, I just want to, I just noticed a statement by our guest. Mm. He made mention of something that the past administration were fully given, were given this, all the incentive and the support to the finance, those children and the rest. I just want to draw his attention, please. Anytime you start to compare this present administration with the past administration, I normally used to be sick. Because right now I am in a very deep mess because of this woman. Mm -hmm. They created hardship to people so many.
Philippines. I don't even know this conditional cast has far and the story of lifting hundred people out of poverty. Where where are they doing it? Because we can't see it in our neighborhood. So you do not know anybody and you know a lot of poor people. Where do you live? Do you live in the city or in a rural area? Where do you live in the city or in a rural area? See, first of all, I, I, I come from Gombe. Mm-hmm. I normally shuttle from here and Gombe. The entire local government of mine, the entire local government of mine, I can swear to you, I've never seen a single person. Hmm. That's Bilary. Bilary. And I come here, I live in this neighborhood. I have never heard of anybody. If I even ask whether there is somebody that has ever received... How do you assess the poverty in your area? Where what? you live? How do you assess the level of poverty in your area? Are there lots of uh, poor people? You know, what do they do? I assess it based on the number of people that can feed themselves three times in a day. Mm. Mm. That's how I assess poverty. In All my right. Area. Thank you so and much. I can't see anybody being supported. Thank please. you. We appreciate your input. Okay, go ahead, Thank please, you. real quick. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for that submission. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead, Ajiri. Thank you. Y- yes, please. I-, I can see there's a lot of focus on this issue of five thousand naira, mm. and clearly um, there seems to there seems to be this idea that five thousand naira is the only intervention. See, let me explain something. If the federal government of Nigeria under President Mohamed Buhari was only that it was only giving people five thousand naira, just giving people five thousand, and that is all we were doing. Just every other thing we're sitting on our hands. We're not doing any other thing but giving people five thousand naira. If that is what was going on, I would totally agree with everything they have said. That it is just a waste of a waste of uh, everything. What are you even doing? If you're not improving infrastructure, you're not even doing any of these other things. What is the essence of this one? I would agree. The problem with the analysis I have been hearing so far is that it does not take into account the fact that we have verifiably made the, the highest investment in infrastructural development in the history of the country. Mm. And I can name them, and I can tell you when they're going to be due, because I follow these things closely. That's my job. But how so is it helping to lift, especially to give employment, especially to the youths, let's say now? Hence, uh, people uh, ab- ab- calling ab- out and so saying, oh, why do we not put this money into let industries? Me go, let me go ahead and ask this question. Mm. How, how do you have a situation where... 500,000. Remember in 2015, it was President Mohamed Buhari asked uh, Nigeria, he said, I told Nigerians, I'm going to take 500,000 young people, young graduates. I'm going to give them uh, jobs. I'm going to give them trading. I'm going to give them skills so that they can start their own businesses. When that announcement was made, they said, no, be Nigeria, nonsense. This one, are grammar. When now we did empower, we bought 500,000. Verifiable 500,000 across all the local government areas of the Federation. People are benefited. The conversation went from uh, Buhari cannot do it. To now saying, ah, Buhari should extend this program. Buhari should expand this program. The conversation changed. Why? Because because he did it. He did what he said he would do. Mm. So now, in 2021, we're expanding the Empower program from 500,000 to 1 million. That's number one. Number two, the, 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 the Empower program is just one small component of what we have been able to do in terms of our interventions. I have already talked about homegrown school feeding, which does not even take into account the 300,000 aggregators, cooks, and all of the people who are employed in the, in the implementation of that program to actually feed the children. Then you also now have the, uh, the conditional cash transfer, now the rapid response register, and many of the other interventions. This survival fund now, for, name my time. I, I, I challenge any of our listeners, our people. I challenge mm-hmm. anybody to name one instance where any government in the history of this country 
has given out grants to the tunes of thousands of naira to, to over to hundreds of thousands of businesses who are struggling in the middle of anything, whether it's a recession, a depression, a pandemic. Just one example. You will not be able to name one because it has never happened. So, so what, what I am saying is this. Things are not easy. Let us, be, let us be straight about that fact. Things are difficult in the country. Things are difficult. In fact, even in the U.S., where we always look at and we say, oh, this is heaven on earth and all of that. You have people being evicted from their homes because everybody is facing a global economic recession caused by COVID-19. So how much more in crimes like Nigeria, South Africa, and, and other developing countries? So crimes are hard. There's no way around that. I'm not here to tell you that we're living in heaven. I'm not here to tell you that. Mm-hmm. What I'm here to tell you is that even though things are very, very difficult, because they are very, very difficult now for our people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's for the same reason that people are saying, because things are difficult, why not pump this money into industries? Mm, all right, then. Okay, let's look at uh, the percentage in terms of inclusion. Now, we see that it captures for 45% of women and 5% for people with special need. And we know that at least 25 million people have are in that space of special need. 15% of Nigerian's population are in special need. Is that fair? You, well, well for, for us, yes. That, that, that is very much the right way to go. You know, before now, we have never, in, in the, in our, because of our, the, the cultural history of our country, we have failed as a country to respect our women. That's the truth. And I'm saying that as a Nigerian man. We yeah. have failed as a culture, as a country, to respect our women, uh, to respect their position, to respect their contributions to our society economically, and uh, politically, and otherwise. I think one of the major thrusts of President Mohamed Buhari's administration is to say, look, we have to make this a priority now. We have too many gifted women who are not being given... So why are we not having 50-50-50? So, so, so the Survival Fund basically says that a minimum of 45% of all of these benefits of the entire fund must be dedicated to women and women-owned businesses, and 5% must be dedicated to businesses owned by physically disadvantaged persons and, and of course, uh, physically disadvantaged persons themselves. And I think that's important because it's a minimum. It's not a maximum. So it's a minimum. It can obviously be more than that uh, 50%, but at least there's a quota absolutely reserved uh, for them. And and that's really very quite essential. Okay. Now, um, in all of this, it's laudable, it's progressive. And uh, uh, how does security now affect all of these laudable plans, especially when it comes to farmers and, you know, MSMEs and, you know, being able to be secure enough in your environment to even make use of this this um, grants and funds exactly yes you know security is a major challenge obviously if you if you said there's one challenge facing the country now uh, on the mind of President Muhammad Buhari to be security Uh, obviously poverty alleviation is another major one no security is a major challenge I think that there are a few issues here one is that uh, we we have to understand that the security challenge is something that it has to be assessed from the perspective of where we were and to where we are. I'm not somebody who likes to bring up PDP, APC, and all of that. I think that's a very shallow conversation to have. The reason why I even mentioned you win earlier was not because I just felt like talking about PDP. It was because the caller used you win as an example to say this is how something should be done. So I had to remind that caller that that was actually a failed program that was badly implemented. That was all I was doing. But on the issue of security, I remember I was a reporter with AIT. I was physically present at this day, at the bombing of this day headquarters in Abuja. I remember what it was like every morning leaving my, leaving my, my small flat saying, look, I don't know if I will come back. Because there were bombs going off everywhere, in mm-hmm. markets, bus parks, different, different places. Bombs would just be randomly going off, just killing people in Abuja. So 
uh, we have lived through this. We know what it was like before. There has not been a single bombing in Abuja since President Mohamed Buhari has taken office. Not All right. Oh, it's still on the issue of insecurity. We've seen what happened to young people oh, at the Lekki Togate over the weekend. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that uh, you would, you know... I handled it properly. Exactly. Yes, I, I think I think it's first of all it's a it's a very tricky one, and I'll tell you why it's very tricky. The the, the, the challenge there, the sensitivity there, is that you have COVID nineteen regulations that have been clearly expressed and explained to the public well before this uh, latest uh, Tollgate uh, uh, attempt at protest and all of that. They were all laid out to the Nigerian public that these are the regulations. This is what will happen. This will not happen in terms of funerals, weddings. Public gathering, all of these things are public information. So everybody knows what the regulations are. Now, anytime you have regulation, what is the point of having a law if it's not going to be abided by or enforced? It becomes useless. It's just like somebody in a society. If somebody kills somebody, and you know that this person killed, everybody knows that this person killed somebody. And when we know we have caught the killer, and now it's time to prosecute that killer or whatever the case may be, we now say, well, uh, well, you know, this and that. And we don't prosecute the person. What now happens is so law and order will break down nationwide. So are you justifying how the matter was handled? And are given out. And then you will now say, well, those regulations don't matter because we want to protest. Mm. I, I think that we, we should respect uh, the rule of law as far as that. Would you is, say is, this is administration has regulations respected the rule of law as often as it expects its citizens them. to do? I'm sorry? Would you say this administration has respected the rule of law as much as it, it, it has expected the citizens to do? Because when it comes to flouting even COVID-19 uh -huh. protocols, we have seen our public officials, our government officials at first. I mean, we remember just 2019, Nigerians were enraged as lawmakers reject innocent cars for latest Toyota Camry. Mm -hmm. And we're saying buy Niger to grow Niger. At the same time, we're saying let's pump money into the economy. But then uh, still in some way, when you look at it, what are our leaders saying? I mean, at the same time, we talked about a medical tourism some time ago, and we had hoped to see less so of that. you talking about hypocrisy of public officials, in effect. Yes. Okay, so basically, right. this is basically it. Leadership by example. If you're looking at the flaws in the COVID-19 regulations, I want to remind you that there were some very big men, as they call, as we call them, uh, who flouted the aviation uh, regulation of uh, COVID-19. Basically, that you have to be tested before you come, you have to be tested after you return. Mm. There are people like, there, there were some senators and some lawmakers who flouted that. And guess what happened? We put them on a no-fly list. They were, they were punished just like every other citizen. So, so that's number one. Number two, if you look at the issue of, uh, of, of, of uh, buying Niger to grow, uh, to grow the Naira and all of that, uh, even uh, Innocent Tukuma, uh, the owner of Innocent Motors in, uh, in, in Anambra, he will tell you himself, he himself will tell you that no government, he himself has already said it. Anybody who doubts what I'm saying, just Google it for yourself. Innocent Tukuma himself said that no government, no administration, including Jonathan or Vasenjo, name them. Mm. has ever patronized his company like this administration has. I can tell you myself. All right, thank you, you so much, Ajiri. Lastly, time is already... You immigration mm. headquarters, mm. you go to police, you are going to see fleet upon fleet of innocent uh, motors. Same with the Nigerian army. So we have no issue patronizing local developers. The problem is that we do not have, beyond innocent motors, how many other people are producing vehicles in Nigeria. These are the challenges we have to assess mm. when we talk about these issues. Okay, then lastly, our last question for you. How about the rising cost of living, eating into the effort of the government? Example, yes. electricity, tariff, rising cost of food due to insecurity. Right. Yeah, thank you very much. So, so on the electricity tariff cost, I'm so happy you raised this. Because 
uh, before now, you recall that uh, previous administrations will lift electricity tariff all at once, meaning that when they rise the tar- raise the tariff, the poor man will pay raise, the rich man will pay raise, and all of that. It will go across board. What the president just did is he said, we're going to do service-based tariffs. What that now means is that the tariff as it rises, it only rises dependent on the availability of the service. So for the first time in our history now, mm. if you are not seeing more than 12 hours of light in a day, which is about 60% of the population, including our masses, do not see up to 12 hours of light in a day, you will not see a couple of increase in your electricity tariff. But those people who are seeing more than 12 hours of light in a day, see some of these industries, some GRAs across the country, etc., they are going to be the ones to bear the burden of the increase of this electricity tariff. That separation was made possible by the president. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your expertise, for sharing your time with us this morning. We're afraid we've eaten minutes into our time already. It's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you for taking out the time uh, to speak to Nigerians and give us more clarification so we can better understand what the Buhari administration is doing. Looking forward to more conversations with you, Ajiri. I look forward to it as well. God bless you. Do have a great day. Thank you for joining us. All right. All we are asking uh, is a land where peace and justice shall reign. This is what we have for you in the offing this Monday morning. Our conversation uh, with the SSA, uh, that is um, Ajuri Ngilale, the Senior Special Assistant to the President on Public Affairs. Thank you so much. I keep your dials locked shortly. Now up next comes News Top of the Hour and after that the Midday Show with Ogidigo. Have a corona-free Monday and a blessed week. You take care. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcasts.